Okay, so I think it's an important thing to go through, um, to talk about tshuva a little bit. And there could be a lot of what I'm saying tonight is poshit. But uh, I think it's good that I go through. So, you know, just to start, we have Maramakum number one. This is from the Sefer Shari Oira. That Mevur B'Sifre Kabbalah, it's known in the Sifre Kabbalah, Sh'yud Beis HaShvatim Hinki Kneged Yud Beis Chodshe Hashanah. That the twelve shvatim correspond to each month. Each month, the power of that month corresponds to a different shevet. The Barbanel says this in Tvarim, which means that each month corresponds to a different shevet. So the question is, which is the shevet of El? We're in the month of El, which is the shevet of El? So you have Marmaka number two is the Bnei Sasra. The Bnei Sasra says in El as follows: Maimer Aleph, Ha'inian Gambe Bechinas Hashvatim Lufi Seder Hadagolim, that each month corresponds to different shevet, and the order of the shvatim is how they traveled, how they uh, rested in the desert. Each month corresponds to different shevet. Yehuda le Nisan, the month of Nisan corresponds to Yehuda. Yisachar is Ir. Zvulan is Sivan, that's one grouping. Then Ruvain is Tammuz, Shimon is Av, and then you get to Elul, which is the month, which is the shevet of God. Elul corresponds to the shevet of God. So the question is, what exactly does that mean? And in what way is Elul corresponding to the Shevet of God? There's not much known about God. They were known to be warriors. They were the ones that fought. They were very powerful. And there is an element of it that, you know, on a simple level, that uh, uh, for a Jew to, you know, to go into the month of Tshuva, you have to be confident, like a soldier is confident. But on a deeper level, what exactly does it mean that the month of El corresponds to the Shevet of God? So the truth is, this is a month and we're entering the time of tshuva. In Marmakam number three, this is from a called, it's called Kuntras Nahaira. It's put out by the Eish HaMayadim every week. And they describe the first aspect of tshuva, but a part of tshuva that I think a lot of people falter. You know, before we get into this, I'll mention a, a, a mushal from the Dubna Magid. The Dubna Maga mentions a marshal. They have a person who is traveling, and he gets off his boat, and he's waiting for a package. The problem is it's getting close to Shabbos, and he's he's got to go, he's got to go, he's got to go. So there's a, a certain non-Jewish fisherman that's there, and he says, listen, if you pay me, I'll deliver your package so you can go home, get ready for your Sabbath, I'll deliver the package. So the guy describes the package. He says it's a certain size, certain color, Okay, so later that day he gets a knock on the door, it's the non-Jewish fisherman, and he has a package. But all of a sudden, he notices that the fisherman is schwitzing. The package is clearly very heavy. So the Jewish guy, and it looks just like his package, it's got the same out, the same cover, and the same look, same size. The Jewish guy turns to the fisherman and he says, I don't even have to open it, I know that's not my package. So the fisherman says, how do you know? They open it, it happens to be it wasn't his package. The fisherman says, how do you know? He says, because my package were full of diamonds and, you know, very light things that are very easy to pick up. The fact that you're struggling so much, it means that's not my package. The Dober Magad said the same thing. The Shparuch you know, gives us Tarimitsis. It's, it's meant to be easy. It's meant to be pleasant. It's not meant to be, you know, this laborious thing. And when the Shparuch sees, you know, a person like stressing and it's it's become, you know, incredibly heavy to pick up 
Hashem says, it's not my package. That's not, that's not why I gave all this to you. One of the aspects that I think has become very difficult is tshuva. Even though conceptually it should be incredibly easy. The Pasuk says regarding tshuva, according to many Rishayim, it's very easy to do. So why is tshuva so difficult? See, he describes it very beautifully in the third paragraph. There are people that go in this month, and they kind of like, you know, misery hates company. They kind of enjoy this, but like in a sick way. That they're bent over. You know, you know, frowning their forehead. All they do is they focus on what they've done wrong. Now that's obviously a, a tremendous important aspect of tshuva, is you do have to analyze what you did wrong. But the problem is that that sort of becomes the focus. And what do I mean? They hit themselves. They, they, you know, they sort of berate themselves. And they're sort of people that like think that that's what this month is about. It's about destroying yourself. Now, there is an element of truth that, you know, truva means to analyze yourself and to have like a surgery. And surgeries are painful. There's like this weird taiva to do this, that like there's a desire to to just, you know, break break oneself. There is an aspect that you do feel good, sort of like, you feel like you're like a parush, you feel like you're, you're a big tzaddik because you're doing this yourself, but it's not healthy. There is an aspect of tshuva that that's necessary, but that's not, that can't be all of it. He says, There's a story going back to Isaac of Homel, that he explained for the Balatanya. And this leads into this. If most people ask you, what's the aspect of tshuva? You have to have charata. That's the first step of tshuva, is charata. You have to have, you know, remorse. And the Balatanya said a very, sh- sh- very sharp line. The Balatani used to say that the charata a Jew has to have, the remorse a Jew has to have when he's doing tshuva has to be like that guy of Viteps. What's the story of the guy of Viteps? The Sipur, and he says over, There was one time where in the city of Viteps there was a big storm. And one day during the storm, they saw this certain guy who took like a rowboat in a terrible storm. And they, people see this guy going into this terrible storm. And all the people that were there start screaming, you know, to him from the shore. Look at the waves. You're putting yourself in danger. Be careful, be careful, turn back. But the guy kept going, kept going into the water. And they're watching this from the shore because they can't go in, it's too dangerous. They see that his his boat becomes overturned. And as he's drowning, and they hear him as he's drowning say, I regret this decision. Well, Tani used to say that's the regret that a Jew has to have. Now that's a very heavy level of regret. And and that's an important aspect of tshuva. You do have to analyze yourself this month, and you do have to 
see what's wrong and regret it, and, and a level of regret that has to be with that intensity of like, what am I doing? The same with that guy, like, on the brink of death, is like, I regret this. There's an aspect of that level of regret that we all need. But my problem is, and I think that this is the issue, and this is what the Dubna Magad was describing, for a lot of people, that's what tshuva is. It's just berating themselves, and it's just beating themselves up. And the problem is that nobody wants to do that long term. If that's the main focus, then at some point you're saying, like, I, I don't want to analyze my life, and that's what for a lot of people this month, and like Roshani and Kippur specifically, most people just want to get through it. They just want to sort of like look past it. But that's because they have this, they're sort of stuck on this first step. But this is what really tshuva is. Look at my remark number four. They explain, The problem is that this, making this the focus of tshuva is not enough. To just berate yourself and just beat yourself up and say, what have I done? What have I done? What am I? What am I? I'm terrible. I'm terrible. First of all, it's not the whole story, but also it's not a long-term solution. No one's going to do this. No one's going to no one's going to put an emphasis to, to focus on this. So what is real tshuva? So one of the chassidim said, There's a story that one of the chassidim, hundreds of years ago, he was running away because he was uh, trying to avoid the Russian army. And he stayed by a Jewish family one night. While he was there, he saw a, a very frightening, but an amazing story. The family that he was staying by, they had a son that was very ill in a certain disease. And the doctor had come. And the doctor The doctors gave certain medicines with certain regimens. You have to take A and B you know, with amount of food, take this, certain amount of hours, a full dose of medicine. The hizimoid and the doctors warned them very, very much, Shaloi Lishanas Asaseder, do not alter. The medicine has to be administered as is. And do not give the wrong pills. Don't change the hours. Shikoshina Biseda Advarma Ligramitzasapuchaslagamri. And they warned them that if there's any change in the medicine regiment, it can cause terrible effects and it can cause the child to die so be very careful do not mix up the pills do not give the day pills at night and vice versa now the mother was taking care of the child and she was working very hard to do her best she was very careful very meticulous to listen to the doctor's orders and she was very careful not to not to mess up but one time, and the chassid is watching all this. Tasa ima, the mother made a mistake. One day she messed up, gave the wrong pills. And mamish, what the doctors were worried about took place. And the child got a lot worse, and it looked like he wasn't going to make it. And this is this is what Shuva is. The mother was visibly shaken with what she did. She couldn't calm down. 
He rots a babayis mekila kir bebechi gadol. She's going from room to room, just screaming and crying. Maasisi, maasisi. What did I do? What did I do? But here's the key. Achrei mechzech zman. After a few moments like this, otzer lepeta es merutzasim chiyasa. The chassid is watching this strong woman. After a while of crying, what did I do? What did I do? He said he saw her stop, close her eyes, and compose herself. And then she started saying aloud, "Ma oisim achshav." She stopped asking, "What did I do? What did I do?" To what do I do now? What do we do now? Meaning, she called the doctor, and instead of screaming, which she started, "What did I do? What did I do? I killed my child. What did I do?" She stopped, and she turned, and she said, "What do we do now?" Ma oisim achshav. And the doctor walked her through it, and the baby made a full recovery. But the chassid understood that's what tshuva is. Yes, you have to say, what did I do, what did I do, like that mother did. And you have to say, like the Balatani described, like that remorse of that guy in Vitebsk. But you can't stop there. That breaking of the self is only purposeful if it's immediately followed by what do we do now. Berating yourself is only helpful if it leads to productivity. So ma'asisi ma'asisi, what did I do, what did I do, is only helpful if you follow it up by ma'osim achshav. What do we do now? He says in Maramakim number 5, Zuhi efa tshuva That is the tshuva of the month of El. You have to constantly be asking yourself two questions. Ma'asisi, what have I done? But what do I do now to fix it? You see, focusing too much on what have I done will just lead to despair. And that is not the purpose. The whole purpose of remorse and regret is in order to motivate you to not want to feel this anymore and to not want to do this anymore. And ma'osim achshav. Lohavi osonam achshav ashamay lasos bekomas amaisa. That that remorse has to lead to action. V'zeo tchilas hatshuva shechodesh el. Lasashina maisa belavushe haneva shechid sonim shba'adam. That is the purpose of the month of El. That is the truth of the month of El is to have the remorse and the regret, but to immediately lead to what do we do now. And if you have that type of healthy approach, it won't lead to depression, and tshuva will be easy. See, tshuva is difficult because people make the burden too heavy because they focus too much on the regret. The regret is important only if it leads to action. You know, we started with a statement from the Bnei Sashar that this month is corresponding to the month of God. What does that mean? So the Pasuk in Bezos HaBracha said, Ulegod Amar, Moshe Rabbeinu says to God as follows, Baruch Marchiv God, that Hashem expands the area of God, Kilavishachem, He dwells like a lion, V'taraf Zeroya Afkakad, and He tears the arm of His prey together with the head. Meaning, 
that Rashi explains, that Rashi explains that God with the warriors, they were so they were very powerful, and they would kill in a certain way. You could tell that it was from the shaver of God who killed them. How did they kill? They would cut off with a sword the head and the arm together. What does this mean? It means that when God would kill people, God never separates between the head and the arm. They're all together. Which obviously corresponds to tefillin. That means that God would not make a hefsik, would not make a separation between the tefillin shal yad and the tefillin shal rosh. They were always together. They would cut off in one in one in one uh, action the the rosh and the yad. The Gemara tells us in Saita that you know the pasuk says that anyone who's fearful would not be able to be a soldier. What does it mean, fearful? So Rav Akiva says, Rav Akiva says, fearful means literally afraid. Anyone who's afraid can't go out to war. But says Rav Yaseglili says that to be a soldier, to be a god, to be a warrior, you have to not be afraid of sinning, meaning you have to be that you don't sin, that there's no fear because you have no sins in your, uh, in your bank account. What's an example, says the Gemara, of a sin? That a soldier would disqualify a soldier from being a soldier in the army, says the Gemara. If someone speaks between the Tefillin Shalyad and the Tefillin Shalroish, that's an Avera to separate between the Tefillin Shalyad. You're not allowed to talk. When you put the Shalyad on, you're not supposed to talk until you put the Shalroish on. And if you spoke, that's an example of an Avera that disqualify you from being a soldier. It's a simple shot of the Gemara. That means it's an Avera. It's listening Avera. But at a deeper level, to be a soldier, to be God. You have to cut off the arm and the head together. That the Shel Yad and the Shel Rosh cannot have any separation. What does that mean? You see, the Shel Rosh, that's thought, that's regret. That's where you think about what you've done wrong. But that on its own cannot be tshuva. That's ma'asisi. But the hand, which is action, that's ma'alayla asos. God, they were warriors, they were soldiers, they did not speak, they did not separate between the Shel Yad and the Shel Rosh. It was always together. They would cut off Zeroy Afkad Kud. They would cut off the Shalrosh and the Shiyad together to not separate between the two. In order to be a soldier, the Shalrosh and the Shalyad have to be together, united. No separation. Most people separate and they just focus on the Shalrosh. That's regret, beating themselves up. But the Shalrosh and the Shalyad have to be united. The Shalrosh again symbolizes regret, symbolizes thought. What have I done? What have I done? And the shaliyad is action. Ma alayla asos. What do I do now? A Jew has to be connected. That was what shevet God symbolizes. That connection. That's why they are the shevet of the month of El. In order to excel in the month of El, you have to have these two shailas going together. Ma asisi, ma alayla asos. Shal bizeicha to ask these two questions in a proper, healthy way. To not separate between the shaliyad and shalroish. To be able to fight this battle and win this war. Jobs.